Coming up on this podcast, we are going to hear from people such as Boston Bruin fans, Philadelphia Flyers fans, uh, a Vegas Knight fan, uh, a few Leaf fans, and also someone who writes for the Ottawa Senators. Because, people, the long wait is finally over. Hockey season is finally upon us. Oh, my God, I've been bored the last few months. How are you doing, Jolon? I'm I'm ready for some hockey, and I'm glad that we can bring back NHL fans from afar for a second series. Not just first series, but a second series. We've got a second series, guys. We've got a second series. Welcome to our podcast. We're back. <laughs> it's your favourite theme tune. Have you missed that theme tune, Jolon? I did find myself very occasionally throughout the summer humming it, and uh, for no reason. And it would—it was a proper earworm to me because obviously heard it quite a lot last year. You said that at the very last episode, yeah. the, in the finale yeah. of our season one, about yeah. how much uh, you came to love that theme tune. Interesting. Yeah. It w- well, you say love, but definitely an earworm. Um, but, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very I'm very ready for some hockey. And as a lot of fans this summer have had quite worrying uh, worrying times for their teams, particularly if you've got a top end restricted free agent, which of course we'll go on and talk about as the podcast goes on. Mm. But it's been one of those summers which has just been full of anxiety for fans and no hockey. So there's not even hockey to distract us. And now at least we are getting to a point where there is actual hockey to watch and we remember why we follow this sport as opposed to the contract negotiations that have been happening over the summer. Yeah, well, I just kind of hit pause. At the end of the last season, I was happy to take a bit of a pause and see what happened. And can I just say thanks for turning up on this podcast? Uh, because the last one, you were too busy having a meal with your friends <laughs> to turn up to the very last podcast yeah, of the that, season. That. Um, I'd love to name and shame the restaurant that took two hours to uh, to actually even bring any type of food over to us that yeah. completely ruined my evening. But well, yes, no, thanks, I, thanks I am here. Up. I am here. Although, well, yes, well, we'll briefly, we'll, we'll, we'll re- come on to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of recap um, our plans um, for season two of NHL Fans on the Fire is that every week um, we'll be recording, hopefully on Tuesday evening. So that means you get a new episode on Wednesdays. And uh, it's we- our hockey night. It, it is our hockey Tuesday night. night is hockey night. It is. And we want to include as many of you as possible. We still are ticking through a list of teams that we haven't yet spoken to fans from. Ideally, if you actually live outside of North America, but we might open the boat to a few of the homey types. But we make this podcast for people who love the NHL, are sat in their bedrooms watching these games two, three in the morning, and then find that they don't have any friends or anyone to talk to about it so instead you've got to talk to us and we connect on a variety of ways you can follow us on twitter at nhl fans from afar and we also have a slack group which you can email us to get an invite to it's nhl fans from afar at gmail.com make sure that you subscribe rate and review this podcast so you can get those new episodes every single week 
one of the things I love about the the hockey season is it is it's a proper journey. And like every single season you start off, you've got fresh hopes and ambitions. And then there's going to be times in the season, doesn't matter who you support, there are going to be times in the season when you're on highs. There are going to be times in the season when you're on lows, you might have injuries or whatever. And then there's going to be the build up to the playoffs. And last year, one of the highlights for me in season one was when we recorded, which I can now look back fondly on not the event itself but the podcast itself i don't know where this is going when we recorded on game seven of the boston leafs series and we recorded before the game and then during a little bit and then after very briefly um i think we have to set the scene though because right this time last year yeah me and jolon had only known each other for what 10 days yes we we contrary to what people might believe we have not been friends for years some would say are we even friends yeah um but actually obliged to talk to each other <laughs> once a week. we met each other on a night shift and <laughs> i was like um we need to be friends because you're talking about my team toronto maple leafs and then we started this podcast with a shared kind of love of this game and yeah. where that took us last season was really exciting that we kind of am starting to we remember names of people and where they live and what they do and which what their team is and it's created this kind of family and network of different fans which I'm really excited to kind of tap into um, we've got like a whole list of people that are going to be appearing between now and Christmas and in fact we should probably say hello to today's guest um, we've kind of uh, I think James We've probably been a bit naughty today that we've actually got three Leafs fans uh, to start this season, which, you know, we're all about impartiality, but um, at least we know you're one of us. You're singing from our song sheet, James. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I bleed blue, but I do have uh, my toe dipped in many other ponds, so to speak. Yeah, because last season when you came and spoke to us, you, you're a teacher by day, but at that time you were writing for the Arizona Coyotes, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I've um, I started writing about Arizona for Fansided, and then I moved over to Fansided's Ottawa Senators website, and I still do that, but I am now writing about Arizona again, but this time for SB Nation. I love it. Busy. Yeah. Busy guy. So James, you're going to be on a few times, probably like uh, monthly with our podcast, which is awesome. Um, and uh, we've kind of been asking you and also some of our other people who listen um, their favourite off-season moments and what their thoughts are on RFA and also what hopes and expectations there are for the season, um, which has been interesting, actually, and um, we'll kind of jump around with all three of our thoughts and stuff as we rumble through this podcast because it kind of feels like for this first one of the season there's just so much to talk about but I think we should probably attempt to play a couple of other people's comments actually Um, we have the opportunity now if you listen to us on Anchor that we can actually play voice messages from you so if you don't necessarily want to kind of appear as a fan to do a whole episode with us and you can leave us uh, your your grumblings, your rants at two AM, whispering into your phone when you're oh, late so at night. So we could get like post-match analysts from, I, from our fans. I did this a few years ago, right, on an ice hockey podcast, where the moment that a game finished, yeah. I set up a little voicemail bank where 
fans as they were driving home could just basically go absolutely nuts. God, I bet you wore out that swearing beep, didn't you? It did. Hockey fans. It did, but that's when you got the emotion because if you go to sleep and the next day you calm yeah. down, it's not the same. Yeah, no, that that is very true. So it'd be great to capture some of those feelings. And I don't know about you, but there's been many a time when I have sat there ready to vent about another Maple Leafs loss or... Like the one... The game seven. Why is Patrick Marlowe playing for 28 minutes on the, you know, on game seven against Boston? Things like that. And not that I'm, it's still raw and I'm bitter about it. But moments like that throughout the season, if you want to use us as a way of venting and if you keep the language vaguely clean, then uh, we'll use it on the podcast, as Claire said. So just go to Anchor <laughs> and upload uh, yeah, your voice memos. And if you say the name Brad Marchand, we will put beeps in. I don't think it gets then uploaded, it sounds, does it? sounds like you're swearing. <laughs> I don't think it gets uploaded. <laughs> okay, so the first message that we have is from Mike. Uh, Mike's over in North America, um, and he is a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Hi, guys. It's Mike, a uh, Philadelphia Flyers fan. Um, it was a long off-season. I felt like I didn't really fly, but here the season's starting soon, which is always great. Um, I'm excited for your guys' episode to come out later this week. Um, yeah, the Flyers have had a pretty interesting offseason. Obviously, a new coach, a new general manager came in, um, acquired Kevin Hayes, signed him, uh, made some changes to the defense. Uh, the right side's pretty new uh, with Braun and Niskanen coming in. Um, hopefully, uh, the Kevin Hayes signing really solidifies it. Um, He'll step in and play 2C, and Nolan Patrick will play 3C. So I really would like to see him take a step in his development. Um, but I'm excited. I uh, can't wait to hear you guys. Um, thanks again. Go Flyers. <laughs> Just before we go on to the Flyers, I don't know about you. you. You do a lot more of this kind of stuff than I do, Claire, as your day job. But I still find it really weird that anyone listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest way. It's 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 just so strange that hearing somebody go, oh, I'm really looking forward to listening to you guys. Why? Why? I'm just why we're just chatting about like hockey. But that's that's the great thing, and that is one of the things about podcasts. And obviously, if anyone cl- follows Claire on on social media, you know that she works a lot in the podcast industry. But that is one of the things that I do love about podcasts well, is that when you find a subject that you are passionate about, yeah. it doesn't matter. You just want to listen in to those conversations. It's true. Which is so cool that somebody wants to do that. Anyway, the well, see, James, Sorry. I can't remember how you connected with us. Um, I think I just found you guys appear on Twitter. Um, I follow and Mark Rackham follows me and I saw he was on the podcast. So I started following you guys and you reached out to me and asked like, oh, what team do you support? And I mentioned supporting the Leafs, but writing about Arizona. And you helped us tick another box. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that, actually, we should give a shout out to Mark Rackham, who also does a podcast now. He's yeah. just launched his own one, which is Hockey Across the Pond. Loads more dipping in of AHL um, stuff there as well, which is a thing that he writes a lot about and also another Leafs fan. God, we're everywhere, aren't we? I know. There's no wonder we're hated amongst the rest of the NHL. There's so many of us. We've managed to just hear from a Philadelphia Flyers fan and end up bringing Talking it around to the Leafs. Leafs. It's unbelievable. That's anyway, Philadelphia. Flyers. Let's talk about it. They were one of the things we're going to talk about later is mm-hmm. how we've done a fantasy 
hockey draft thing, right, among some people who've been involved with this podcast. No idea what Now, the Philadelphia Flyers, mm-hmm. I was really torn about because they were bad last year. They were bad. Mm-hmm. Their D was appalling. Their goaltenders, they were cursed. Considering that they've got an incredible rookie prospect in Carter Hart, who in the end was the only one left who was there, even though they were trying to shield him. Almost cost, well, arguably did cost many kind of people in their management structure their jobs in trying to shield him. And there were so many goaltenders who played last year and were terrible for the Flyers that I just don't know what to expect from them this year because you're expecting to have a... You're expecting to have Carter Hart, who played brilliantly when he did come in, to give them a bounce and to give them a bit of stability. Hayes coming in as well, as our guy there was saying. like That's a huge step for the Flyers. And then actually, offensively, they were pretty good. I mean, James, your thoughts on them? I, I just don't know what to expect from this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they have another bad year, but if they're pushing for playoffs again, I wouldn't be surprised. I think overall, um, as long as injuries sort of are avoided. I think the Flyers are going to have a much better season. They've locked up Provorov and Konechny long-term now, which I think is great for that organisation. Very reasonable deals as well. Yeah. They've got Magniskin in now, a bit of a veteran presence on the blue line. Um, they've got some really good talent on defence as well. They've still got Travis Sandheim, Shane Gostaspare as well. Brian Elliott's back. Um, and obviously Carter Hart is the young guy that they're hoping will really be the number one moving forward. I think if they can protect him a bit still over the next season, uh, let him develop a bit more, I reckon that Philly could have a nice season. Getting Kevin Hayes was good, though I'm not a big fan of the contract itself. Um, I think a healthy Flyers team is going to be quite a challenge and... Nolan Patrick entering his contract year, I think, is going to need to really step up this year. And that could help the team overall because he'll be wanting to put up a lot more points than he has so far. Do you think they will with the goaltenders, with Elliot and with Hart, who presumably are going to be the two that they, they go with this season? Are are they going to play Elliot as a one and or a one A and Carter Hart as a one B and kind of share the share the load between the two of them, or is you know is Carter Hart going to be the backup goaltender to Elliot this year? I would say it really depends how Elliot plays early on. I think yeah. they'll enter the season going with the veteran, letting Hart play, you know, like the second of back to back games, sort of picking up um, more minutes in the NHL. And if Carter Hart can, um, if he can step it up in those games, they might start transitioning into a 1A, 1B sort of situation. Um, But I don't think they really want to rush him too much. I mean, last year, I believe they broke the NHL record for the number of goalies that they played in a season. Mm. I think it was like eight or nine. Um, Absolutely annihilated the record. And all of them were terrible, apart from Hart, pretty much. I mean, Elliot well, was injured I mean, for a long time, but... I mean, they even picked up, at the beginning of the season, they picked up Calvin Pickard from the Leafs, mm. who ended up in Arizona, and to to show how poorly he played in Philadelphia, I think he played in two games after going to Arizona, 
because they preferred Aiden Hill, who was an AHL goalie at the time, over him. And I mean, it's like just... a curse, basically. If you were a goalie that played in the Philadelphia Flyers in the 2018-19 season, you have the goalie curse. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. It was basically like no one should go here because a they won't be there at the end of the month, or they will get injured and would be terrible. Mm. And the bizarre thing about that whole Picard thing was the fact that Leafs fans were devastated when he left, when he got picked up on waivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like Everyone thought, oh, Picard actually might be a decent backup for the Leafs, and they lost him when they got rid of, well, where they put him on waivers with McElhaney, and we kept Sparks, and he's bounced around, and now he's somewhere else as well. Yeah, we're Vegas, like we're it? like who exactly? I've just got to say, actually, looking looking to the future, I'm all about looking forwards. Yes, well, it is a good t- thing to do in preseason. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a um, Philly Flyers. Actually, have got a nice run of games to start. Um, they've got. I want to say nicer, and I say assuming on form of last yeah, year. That's the problem, isn't it? So they, they've got. Um, Chicago, uh, Blackhawks, the Devils, uh, Canucks, Flames, Oilers. So that's a nicer run. You compare that to, and I think what's interesting, like, you know, can't really put them in the same boat, but Tampa Bay Lightning, the first 15 games, the first, sorry, the first 10 of their 15 games are on the road. So, are they? Yeah. So I think what I'm finding really interesting about some of these teams is some of them have actually got not much to play for in the regular season. They're kind of just, ticking along until they've got to prove themselves in the playoffs Mm. and everyone's kind of like you just need to get on with that Tampa Toronto two of those teams right but then some of the other guys who it was just so wide open and they 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 were so poor last year that actually the regular season is a chance for us to see okay you made all these changes now what you got so Philly Flyers I think for me are one of the ones that I'm like okay let's see where you go and the two of the teams for me that I put in that camp um uh, New York Rangers, I would add mm. in that team, in that kind of camp, and also uh, the Flanthers, as I always end up calling them, the Florida Panthers. Um, again, some mega changes. But I, it's interesting you say that, and I don't know what you think about this, James. But the, I've heard a few people say, "Oh, well, the you know the Atlantic's just you know going to be Tampa, Boston, and Toronto again." But Mike Babcock has been very keen in the preseason to quash any talk of that when we've talked about things like goaltender resting and squad rotation, things like that. You know, he's very keen on pointing out the fact that they have got to make the playoffs. And that is because teams around them have got better. And you look at Florida. I mean, Florida were a team that should have done well last year and didn't. But now they've gone away and got arguably one of the most successful coaches that they could have possibly got. Mm. They've got a goaltender who, if he turns up and if he performs really well, could win another Vesna trophy, you don't know. And then you've got Montreal, who only just missed out last year. And then you suddenly then think, well, why should any of the Leafs, Boston or Tampa, assume they're going to make the playoffs, even if you know you had such a runaway season? I'll be surprised if in January we're looking at that division in the Atlantic and going, those three are going to the playoffs. You might have one, but I don't think there'll be three. Yeah. I tell you what, let me play Ross's message. So Ross is um, a, a fellow who lives in the Midlands and he is, a, a, for all of his sins, bless him, is a Boston Bruins fan. And Ross was the person that when Toronto lost Game 7 of the first round of playoffs 
did they? This did year. they? Oh, I don't remember. Me and Jolong called him to congratulate him humbly at ten past three in the morning, <laughs> and amazingly, he answered. <laughs> anyway, he sent us a message, um, and this is his message about his hopes and dreams for the season. Hi guys, it's Ross here. I'll start off with my favourite off-season moment. This has to be the content machine that is gritty. Some of the video skits that they've done over the summer have been very amusing, albeit a little random at times. There's not much to report on the RFA front in Boston. They got their business done by the end of the first week of training camp. My predictions for the upcoming season. After a long, hard-fought campaign, the Bruins fell at the last hurdle, losing Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final. With an ageing court and a long season like that, it will undoubtedly take its toll on the players. With that said, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand both broke career point records. If the Bruins can stay healthy, I expect another deep playoff run with the formality of beating the Maple Leafs in round one. <laughs> Evil! Thanks for that, Ross. I love that game seven, that uh, that one against St. Louis right at the end. Oh. The banter never stops, and sweet. I do love that. I mean, as much as we hate the Bruins, we love having a bit of bants with them. Um, with Ross on the Slack group, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, with Bruins, do you want to play them? Really... Do you want to play them? Well, you know, round one. I was thinking that third question that we, you know, we'd ask these three questions, and I was genuinely thinking, do I just clip what I said in the first episode <laughs> of last year's, like you know, season one of NHL fans from afar? Because I feel like my expectations for my team, Toronto Maple Leafs, are basically. The same as they were last year. I just like to get through to round two. That's shocking, isn't it? See, I disagree. Uh, yeah, I disagree. Yeah, you're expecting more. Well, I'm. I, you know, if we're talking about kind of hopes and expectations for the season, my the most the biggest thing I'm looking forward to about this season as a Leafs fan is the fact that we have got zero contract talk to have. Like we have got Matthews locked up, we've got Marner locked up. I know, up, but that's where Leafs always Nielander go wrong. Locked up, and we've got Tavares locked up. Now, okay, we've got everything. Are, we've got everything. Well, we haven't because we basically got, had we've got no defense next year. But you know, aside from that, we've got defense issue. And Freddie Anderson. Oh, we do. We do. No, we, the thing about this year is, is this is you, you can never say that you're going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, because exactly, there is so much, you know, there's so much luck, mm. there's so much fortune, there's so many, so many factors go into that. But looking at the the team that the Leafs have on paper this season, with no contract shenanigans have to go on during the season like last year, you can't say that they are not within a chance. So you can't, as a Leafs fan, you've got to sit here and think we are in with a chance of going as far as we possibly can. How have you made this about the Leafs again? We were just talking about the Bruins and you've done it I will again. always, I will always turn a conversation James, help me Boston out here, man. man. Well, oh you turn God. to another Leafs fan. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, it's not really the best person to ask about that, to yeah. be fair. James, what do you not, think about I the Bruins? Did, I didn't cast this well at all, did I? Jeez. How does it affect the Leafs? Yeah, that's that's what it all boils question. down to. Just yeah. before we move... Um, away we were talking about the uh the flanthers um well on boston sorry before you go on to that though one one bit of news that they did have uh, that came out that resonated across uh, a lot of the nhl was they were one of the first players to sign an rfa um well they're kind of pretty much it was just after mana wasn't it if i remember rightly mcavoy signed yes it was, was it? it was just yes. after him yes i think he was the first one up actually after mana and all of this talk when mana signed his humongous deal um, was about, well, 
this is gonna this is gonna set the market now all of these rfas are going to be going to their agents and they're going to be saying okay i want i want what mana what mana's got but what i deserve of that so okay mm-hmm. of course mcavoy's not going to get what mana gets but i want you know the same value in terms of what i should be getting and then charlie mcavoy went and signed that deal and then Braden point went and signed that deal and it was like ah oh, so we really have just paid an insane amount of money for someone there's kind of this debate isn't there whether whether um some of these people have signed team friendly deals well, or but, whether where where they've signed a deal what they might be worth in a few years to come and that's where i was going to bring it back round to boston is that i heard i was listening to um the steve dangle podcast which um some of you may be familiar with we talked about um him on the show and uh, one of the hosts on that podcast was talking about something that i think was actually spot on with this stuff and it was that the fact that Boston and Tampa to a lesser extent, but certainly Boston can say to the likes of Charlie McAvoy and future RFAs and even UFAs as well, they can say to them, look, we have got the likes of Patrice Bergeron, Marshan, Chara. All of these players are signed up to deals. Pasternak, all of them are signed up to deals that have not aged particularly well for the players but they've aged incredibly well for the team. But the core is signed at that. So there's no way that we can sign you to a $10 million contract because you can't earn more than them at this point in the career. And also, and this was the brilliant point that I thought, is that the player needs Boston more than Boston needs that player because they've got that core locked up. And that is the difference between where the Leafs currently sit when they're trying to lock up that core now in 2018 and 19 to where the likes of Tampa and Boston are because Tampa are saying, well, we've got Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Braden Point, do you want to be part of that? Here's $6 million to be part of that for three years. Oh, and don't worry, in three years' time, you'll have an insane contract because we can do that then. But they have got that leverage that teams like the Leafs and others as well who haven't got that core and haven't got that success either because realistically, Boston, Tampa are going to be right up there with favourites to win the Cup this year. So that helps in terms of negotiation. Come and win a ring. But then people have kind of like, you you listen to Tim and Sid who were, you know, real popular guys on Sportsnet talking about this and and they were decoding and being kind of pointing the finger a little bit and saying that Dubas couldn't get the deal done. Um, and why but then that's would where they... the leverage comes in. Yeah, why and that's pay this think... for someone who hasn't even got past the first round uh, yeah. playoff and compared to Braden Point, who had, what, 30, 40 points more than yeah, Marner last season? Something and scored an insane amount of goals. But then if you're Braden Point, do you want to take $6 million and be part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, mm. apart from their terrible first round exit last Tax season? Tax but... reasons and other stuff like that, there is but that then ties into this. Too. It does, but then you can argue that the Leafs are the biggest hockey market and in terms of endorsements, Mitch Marner's going to be probably, you know, almost earning know. that again. But but I just think there's something about teams that have had success and have got that core already in place that then means that they have got a little bit more leverage with these RFAs, and you've seen it with the likes of McAvoy and Point. Miko Rantanen, I think, is going to be a fascinating one in the <clears> RFA <throat> because Colorado, apart from Nathan McKinnon's contract, which is terrible 
for the player, incredible for the Avalanche. But apart from him, they don't have that success and they don't have that core locked up. So he could legitimately say, I don't want a penny less than Mana. And what are Colorado going to say? They've got the cap space to do it. Mm. It would mess them up. But then so did the the Mana thing with the Leafs. So I think there's an interesting distinction that's come out of the RFA when it was thought initially as they're this huge big group with the likes of McAvoy at Boston. But actually, there are some separations happening at this point now. And yet, you know, we'll talk about Winnipeg a little bit later because that's fascinating as well. Sometimes I just kind of get a bit bored of going around circles talking about the same thing with RFA. But I mean, James, you were tweeting about the Braden Point deal. What were your thoughts on on that, either compared to the Mana situation or, you know, Point and McAvoy compared to Mana? What were your thoughts? I think um, there's a couple of things to consider with those kind of deals. First off, Boston made the Stanley Cup final last year. So Boston can turn around to a guy like Charlie McAvoy, who is a defenseman, so can't really compare himself to Marner as they play different positions. But um, Boston can turn around and say, look, you take a sweet deal now and you have a legitimate shot to compete for the Stanley Cup every single year over the next three years. In that time, a couple of the older guys, particularly David Backus, his six million a year deal is gone by the time his con- like McAvoy's contract is up. So McAvoy w- will be able to take a much bigger deal next time. Also, McAvoy as a defenseman probably has to compare himself more like to guys like Zach Wierenski, who are considered better players and earn more than what he got. Um, Provorov as well on a similar sort of level. So he has to sort of... Um, look at what his market is rather than just looking at Marna and saying, Marna's a superstar, I want his money. But equally, guys like Braden Point, Braden Point with Tampa, Tampa can't afford to give him pretty much anything more than what they did. For Braden Point, his deal again is up in three years and he's going to get paid the next time because I believe his... Final year contract, his final contract year salary is $9 million. Because he's only signed for three years, I believe he's still an RFA at the end of this contract, which means that if Tampa had to have to qualify him, they automatically have to qualify him at $9 million for one year. So he knows he's guaranteed at least $9 million for a year if Tampa qualifies him before he becomes a UFA. So he knows that he's going to be getting up towards Mana money if Tampa want to lock him up long term. And again, on the flip side with Mana, who is getting paid a huge amount, he is locked up for six years. Mm. So he's locked up for double the length of time as someone like Point, as someone like McAvoy. He's locked up for longer. The Leafs window for competing is expected to be around that time unless they have to start retooling because they'll have guys like Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, all of those deals ending around the same sort of time. So for the Leafs, they knew that they had to keep that core together for as long as they can. So his deal is going to pay him more because they wanted him around longer. Presumably, uh, because 
because point and mana, although separate positions in terms of points are center and mana is a winger, they are, you know, they're, they're definitely better comparisons than McAvoy. And you're right to kind of make that distinction between D and offense and the money that they get. What is what is interesting about these two deals looking at it? And I guess we will get an even better picture from the likes of uh, when Ranton and Signs and Line A and people like that. But with the Leafs and the Lightning, there was one thing that the two teams had in common. And that was the fact that they both had a set amount of money that they could pay their respective RFAs. And the negotiation for the teams those players knew <laughs> those play all they had to do was go on to cap friendly all of those players and their agents knew exactly the limit realistically that both those teams could sign them to so really did the majority of all of these contract chats between the likes of point and mana come down to term because point knew that he wasn't going to get a long-term deal in tampa he knew that wasn't going to be the case. With Marna, there was more money involved, but he knew he was never going to get any higher than he got now unless he, you know, I guess if he boosted his term to eight, he might have got a little bit more. But did these, did this all come down to term in the end for those two and how much, how long they were willing to sign up for? I certainly think a part of it um, does come down to that. Um, Marner, apparently his camp rejected, I think it was an 8 million, uh, sorry, eight year, 11 million a year contract earlier in the year. Um, which his agent did come out and semi deny. (laughs) So he didn't, he didn't fully deny. He said, well, well, offers, offers aren't, there's no such thing as kind of offers made. It's just a conversation. Yeah, so, you know, it's all about the wording. (laughs) But I think for Mana, he understands that in six years' time, he will still be in his prime, so he could be looking at getting an even bigger deal Hmm. um, than if he signs eight years. Because if he signs eight years, he'll be 30. Teams will probably be like, well, you're only going to decline very quickly over the next five or so years, so they might not sign him for as long, won't pay him as much money. But if he signs for six years, he'll be 28, still right in his prime, kind of like John Tavares did with the Islanders, um, signed with the Leafs at like 28 years old. He's just turned 29, but he's still in that sweet spot where forwards are still effective. And with Braden Point, again, Tampa, they don't have the cap space. But equally, Tampa has the best player in the league last year, Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov makes nine and a half million dollars. <laughs> so for Braden Point, he is not going to get more than Nikita Kucherov is earning at this point in time. And he knows that. Tampa cannot justify paying Point more than Kucherov until he finishes another three years and proves mm. that he is a Kucherov level player. Now, Point got 92 points last season. Phenomenal. Kucherov got, I think it was like 126. So for Point to get Kucherov money, he needs to put up points like Kucherov does. Point for point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. A, just a kind of side step from the Point mana kind of thing. The other major announcement this week, um, which was... Probably something that you were watching over, James, was uh, the Thomas Shabbat 
deal that came out. Um, it was an eight-year deal, and the Sens are building the team around Thomas Shabbat, which is you know, it's obviously a, a nice ego boost for him, isn't it? It's a $64 million deal. Um, what, are we, what are our thoughts on this? Because, I mean, Jonan loved poking at the Sens last season. I didn't even know they had that they much money. Just became a bit of a joke, yeah. And, and, and they're now kind of in this rebuild stage. And to kind of have him for such a long time, I guess, helps that maybe four or five years' time once they've they've kind of built up a bit more depth and got some cleaner contracts that they might potentially go somewhere. But Thomas Shabbat, you know, a lot of people rave about this guy, but I'm kind of like, what's in it for him? I mean, I guess yeah. he's got eight years and it's nice ego thing to say, yeah, we're building a team around you. But why? If, if you're a talented player, why not sidestep to a team that's likely to get somewhere in the next two or three seasons? Uh, well, the thing with Shabbat is he's an RFA um, next year. So his deal doesn't kick in until next year, uh, which means he's locked up in Ottawa for the next nine years. Nine, so that's... Right exceptional for the team to manage to keep him around that long eight year eight million for eight years is fantastic for shabbat he put up 55 points last season wow and he's a legitimate candidate to be the team's next captain Hmm. um this year they've gone for three veterans wearing a's because they don't want to rush their young guys into leadership roles that require a lot of media responsibilities and commitments. It's likely um, not going to be fun interactions with the media this year, is it really? Well, exactly. I don't know, though, but there's no expectations anymore right now when they're in a rebuild. Yeah, but Ottawa, you know, with with everything that's gone on in Ottawa, there is it's going to be a tricky atmosphere until they start to breed success. Well, the arena stuff's kind of gone away, hasn't it? Well, it's just I just think it's the, it's all the James, atmosphere anyway. around it and the fact that if they have another bad season, then I don't think the fans, and correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I don't think the fans trust in the rebuild. So until it's it's proven right... It's, until, not, it's not Edmonton, for God's sake. Well, but until until it actually happens and they see the fruits of it, there are a lot of Ottawa fans that don't believe that you know, Eugene Melnick's being genuine when he's talking about this rebuild and it'll be paying players and there'll be a cap team. I mean, they're they're scraping the barrel to get to the cap floor at the moment. And you look at how quickly the likes of the Rangers have done a rebuild. You look at Toronto's rebuild. And, you know, uh, well, and but then that's, that's a Eugene Melnick thing. He's obsessed with talking about the Leafs. And, you know, James, do, do the fans... Do they, do they believe this? Obviously, Shabbat and getting Colin White as well was another kind of uh, a nice one for the Sens. But do they believe this is going in the right direction? Uh, yes, I would say generally from the on-ice perspective, the fans are buying in to the rebuild now. They're starting to see that the team is working towards building the right way. There's a number of young guys within their system that they're very excited about. The fact that Shabbat has signed for another eight years after this season has really invigorated the fan base, really gives them a belief that actually, if the team's able to keep arguably the best player that the organization has at the moment around for that long, then they really do believe in what's going on. There's a number of really good young players coming out in next year's draft, and 
Ottawa are stacking the deck with draft picks to get as many top quality young guys in as they possibly can to go along with the young talent that they're bringing up at the moment. A number of young guys that they've drafted previously are looking really good in about a year. They'll probably start stepping up to the NHL, bringing in guys um, from next year's draft and this year's draft. Um, Some of the picks that they made were quite surprising at the time, but since then um, players that have been picked are impressing in Europe, they've got a guy called Lassie Thompson. They picked him in the first round this year. Defenseman, right-handed, Finnish guy. Scored on his very first game this season. Uh, looked really good on the ice. And fans are really starting to think, actually, maybe we've got something here. Um, they've shed a huge amount of money by getting rid of players like Mark Stone, Eric Carlson, those mm-hmm. guys that were expecting huge extensions and now they're building a young core um, that is going to let them compete probably in the next two or three years is what they're kind of hoping for. I think, yeah. Well, when I, they're not going to be one that I'm rushing to go and watch a game for at the moment, but they're kind of lingering in the background. And for me, Montreal... Connor Brown, Zaitsev. Yeah, whatever. Hainsey. Whatever. <laughs> Right, on the list of things that I just want to quickly run through. Uh, by the way, next week we're talking Sharks and Detroit Red Wings. Um, they are the two fans that we have on next week. So we'll be kind of going into a little bit more expectations um, from Eric Carlson that you mentioned there and Brent Burns. Um, yeah, and uh, Ads, actually, a uh, Detroit Red Wings fan. We've got to say thanks to Ads because he helped us set up the fantasy league that we've um, created uh, for a few of us, for NHL fans from afar. Um, so on my list of things, um, I have uh, a little quiz for you coming up of who is the um, tallest and oldest team uh, for the predictions for 2019-2020. Okay. Who do we think that is? Um, discussions about Austin Matthews' moustache. And uh, also we have to mention a little bit of Patrick Laine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let me let me just come to um, some of that now, actually. Oh, and I also have here about um, Sidney Crosby versus uh, Alex Ovechkin, uh, an interesting little podcast that I listened to the other day, okay. and Ovechkin versus Austin Matthews. However, Patrick Laine is an interesting one with the Jets in that, um, in the last week, as he's kind of negotiating his contracts, um, there was an interview that he did uh, for a European um, written newspaper or blog or something. And there, there were some questions over whether it was lost in translation. But the English version that seemed to come out in the translation was he was basically saying there are top lines and then there is our line. But I play with the guys I'm told to play. And he was talking around when you're having these contract negotiations, you're always kind of asking, well, who am I playing with? Um, and, you know, you were saying about that with Tampa and that you get into play with these kind of veterans. There's that that core that's already there. Um, sounds interesting kind of comments, not the type of thing that you'd want to kind of say publicly. But no. then also to put it in context that was it tr- a mistranslation? What kind of, is that just like, a, you know, 
a full interview or just a little snippet? Well, there's no doubt that this contract negotiation has not been going well because normally all you hear... I mean, if you hear anything at all from a player during a contract negotiation, it's usually, I want to, you know... I want to play with the team. I want to play with the team. I'm letting my agent sort it out. You know, we'll see what the future holds and, you know, time will tell and all of those cliches and all of that kind of stuff. And you never get anything. If you think about Mitch Marner and all of the others so far, you've only ever heard them really say, I want to play for the team. You know, when it's done, it's done. Whereas Line A, he did an interview with Chris Johnston of Sportsnet and he... He said uh, he got nothing bad to say about Winnipeg. It, well, he did, but then he 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 pretty much c- couldn't one hundred percent say that he was going to be back either. Which, of course, you can't. But at the same time, it was weird that he vocalised that, and I think that that took a quite a big bit of traction as well because that was obviously not mistranslated at all. And it's it's so difficult. The Patrick Line contract out of every single one is the hardest one to pinpoint what he is because he scored an insane amount of goals. Well, he had his worst production-wise season of his career last last season. But I think there was also... How many goals did he score, James? Can you remember? uh, 30. So, he scored 30 goals last season, but 18 of them came in November. It's just nuts. It is, That's isn't just it? just mad. But I, they're kind of, <laughs> I got the feeling with, with Patrick Laine, he's an interesting character, isn't he? And I was watching some of the stuff on NHL Tonight on YouTube the other day, yeah. and they, they replayed, no, I think it was Tim and Sid replayed their first interview with him. And he's it's like FaceTime. He's holding his phone and he's lying on his sofa with his earbuds in, and he's got his hand behind his head just chilling out on his sofa, lying horizontal, doing this interview live <laughs> on TV or whatever. And um, there was a kind of a, a, the the boy who likes to play video games and he's a bit of a cheapy, cheeky chappy. Yeah. But it, it genuinely seemed to be like a, a bit more of a... He had to grow a lot, I think, when he hit that drought and the points were not coming... The you know the results weren't coming for him at all. He really, really seemed to kind of dip. And when he kind of came through that and started to get back on you know scoring stuff, then it was I don't know. I, I felt like he grew up a little bit. But then hearing these comments, it's kind of like I have do. You? I don't think. Well, I think that's kind of what he showed that he hadn't done because he's obviously got talent. Nobody is debating that. And I think more of the. He's twenty one. More I mean, of the debate is whether I was an idiot when I was twenty one. But these, but these hockey players, you know, to get to be. the point, yeah, to get to the point where they're at, they have to be so committed and so driven, combining that with talent, that by the time they're twenty one, then they already have to be these kind of elite athletes and pro athletes. And if you you know, you can't afford to take a sidestep. Luckily for most of us in our normal lives, we can take a few wrong steps, sidesteps and still kind of bumble our way through life. Mm. But, you know, these athletes are in such competitive environments. And if you're Winnipeg, what what are you going to do? You want to you want to sign him to a deal of like a show me deal like, a well, here's here's what we think you've earned. But now go and show us that actually you can do this year in, year out. But of course, he's sitting there and he's looked at, you know, he's always being compared to Matthews because he was the number two to Matthews' number one draft pick and there was talk about who would go one and two. So he's always going to compare himself to Matthews. And he looks at that deal and goes, well, you know, 
I should get my big deal. And there's so... I mean, Winnipeg are a fascinating team. I'd love to get a Winnipeg fan on at some point because they have gone from being a team... We did last year. Yeah, but now... Right, I mean, yeah. now. Because they have gone from a team of, you know, you would think they're going to be a contender. And okay, they didn't have a great playoffs, but they were great regular season. They didn't have a great um, playoffs. But now you look at the fact that they haven't got Kyle Connor because he's in a contract dis- uh, disruption. You've got Patrick Laine, who's sitting out at the moment. You've also got the bizarre story of Bufflin not reporting for training camp and then kind of being threatened with suspension by the team and being told that he needed, you know, kind of personal time and you kind of hope the guy's all right and all of that kind of stuff. But still, the story is interesting that he is currently sitting out training camp when he's under contract. And you've also got Truba, who made his feelings quite clear that he wanted to leave and you've got Hellebuck there who didn't have a great season last year and you know he's he's a funny one he could come back and have a really good year or not suddenly you look at a team like Winnipeg and you sit there and go wow are they are are they really all that and particularly if they can only get let's say one out of line a and or Connor's signed and then who knows what's happening with Bufflin and they've just gone from being a team who you thought had an outside chance of making the cup final to now looking at them going, I don't even know what you are as a team. I mean, James, they're, they've, they're all over the place as a team right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bufflin stuff is very interesting. I mean, he's one of the most physical defensemen in the game, so good at that. And when you factor in the fact that they've lost Shuruba take Bufflin out of that lineup and their defense is looking pretty thin generally. I mean, Dmitry Kulikov's their highest paid defenseman outside of Bufflin. You got Josh Morrissey, who is pretty good. He's getting a big raise next year. Yeah. Um, you got Neil Pionk and then a bunch of like lower level players. Sammy Niku looks like he could be something pretty interesting. Um, you wouldn't but, want him on the top line, though, would you? <laughs> no, no, this is the thing. I mean, at one stage last season, well, November, basically, when Line A was on his hot scoring streak, the Jets were considered the best team in Canada by a lot of media outlets, mm. um, even better than the Leafs, um, because the Leafs at that point still didn't have Nylander in the lineup. And the Leafs, uh, the Jets, sorry, were just tearing it up. And... Line A just seems to continue to make comments throughout this season, commenting on how if he was playing on a different team, he would be playing with the best players, um, kind of saying like the team's not using him to his strengths. Line A, though, on the flip side, has been viewed as quite a one-dimensional player at times. Phenomenal goal scorer when he's on his game but his confidence clearly took a hit last season because after November he was averaging like two goals I think it was a month and that's just not good enough um, across the season when you're expected to be like the guy so from the Jets point of view they're kind of like well you're playing on the second line because you haven't shown us that you're deserving of these minutes yet You've got Blake Wheeler, who's 33, putting up like 90-odd points a season. 
you got Shifley, fantastic center. You got Ehlers, you got Little, you got Perot, all of these guys, and even and Carl Connor as well, who had a great season last year, who Lionel needs to show that he is better than. And he just kind of didn't do it last season. Phenomenal talent, but again, maybe there's a maturity problem still going on. Um, he needs to find other tools in his game because for a goal scorer that only scores goals, if you're not actually scoring them as regularly as you should be, then that's a problem. Because, I mean, 30 well, goals in a season is great. Well, yeah. What was Austin Matthews last month. year? Sorry? What was Austin Matthews last year? Austin Matthews, 22 years old right now, and listen to a podcast actually about who who's going to score the most goals over the next three seasons, Austin Matthews or Alex Ovechkin? Nice little Oy. debate there because people were like, okay, Ovechkin's firing, but surely he can't keep this up. And there's this thing that he's, is he potentially going to end up chasing the, you know, the Gretzky um, goal record or mm. that would be crazy because he's going to be smashing 50 goals for the next three seasons to even have a chance of it and actually some people saying that the days of the 50 goal seasons are over because the goalies are so much better nowadays you just don't get that 40 is more realistic but the thing with someone like Austin Matthews whilst he has kind of got a lot more the maturity than say someone a similar age like Patrick Laine what he hasn't had in the last couple of seasons he hasn't played 82 games and that he has had these health concerns which has set him back now if he was healthy and he's got this maturity he's got his contract sorted so there's no worries about that he can just have a clean clear hit could he go and smash a 40 goal season but look at the difference between those two between Lionel and Matthews Matthews is going to be announced as the next captain of the, of the Leafs in the next presumably in the next does few he weeks. need to go and have a 40 goal but just in that in terms of a personality side Compare that to Line A at the moment. You know, those two were drafted in the same year. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, I know Matthews has had injuries and he's had time out, but what he has done, and it, it was quite, it's quite interesting with Matthews because he, he's the only one, he's the only player on the Leafs, young player on the Leafs, that Babcock has not had the chance to demote at any point because he's just been too good. Like, you can't. Marner was on the fourth line at one point. Nylander, fourth line. Morgan Riley was turned into turned inside out to make him a better player. Kadri went through the ringer as well. All these players have gone through the ringer with Babcock. And yet, Matthews, sublime. Can I just mention about Austin Matthews' moustache? Um, I mean, apparently... Story of the summer. Know, yeah, yeah. Like I was, I've put this as my favourite off-season story. Because they'd put out a video, I think it was on TSN or Sportsnet, one of the two anyway. I watched it on YouTube and they were interviewing other Leafs players about Austin's moustache and then trying to like Photoshop his moustache onto their faces to see what what they would look like. And he said that he went to Mexico on holiday and he decided to grow the moustache to fit in and then just kept it. And his mom liked it. Yeah. So um, he that's like the Pablo story. Escobar. Yeah, that's a story of Austin Matthews' moustache. I don't care what facial hair that man has, as long as he puts in goal after goal after goal this season. I want to put out um, just a a couple bits about Matthews and Line, actually. Yeah. 
So Line A has stayed healthier through his career. Yep. He has played 237 regular season games. Matthews has played 82 games once, and that was his rookie season where he scored 40 goals. Last season, he got 37 goals in 68 games. Line A got 30 goals in 82 games. Overall, Matthews has played 212 regular season games and has one more goal than Patrick Line. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, that's interesting. It's so, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because you look at the stats there and you would go, if you just looked at those stats, you'd go, well, I'd pick Line. <laughs> like you'd pick Line. You'd go, he plays every game of the season and his goal production rate is he's scoring the same amount of goals. But then if you factor in all of the off-the-field stuff that you've had recently and the fact that, yeah, as you said, James, his goals were bunched up all in November, then you just don't know what you're going to get with him. Can I Matthews just... also has 21 career points more than Line A overall, so he is um, contributing assists a lot more. Well, but yeah, is that is that not because of less. who his line mates are to not come back to Line yeah, A's but, points? But I, I don't get that with Line A because I, I can get his frustration, but then, you know, Matthews, you could argue Matthews was on the second line last year. Well, he was on the second line last year because Tavares and Nylander was no blooming help. And well, yeah, Nylander wasn't there for most of the time. So Matthews played with all sorts of people last season. He played with Andreas Janssen, who was a rookie last year. Yeah, and whoever else on the other side, seemingly. Well, and so yeah, it is interesting. Those. I would just like to say that um, Austin Matthews is in my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, very jealous about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. claire um, messaged me as soon as the draft order was released and she was one place higher than me in the first round pick <laughs> she basically messaged me saying she was so pleased that she was one ahead of me which basically read me. as i'm going to get austin matthews and you're not um because i would okay so here's, I got, here's an I interesting got freddie anderson and austin matthews i did uh, having now listened to the nhl fantasy on ice podcast I recognise I've made a bit of a, a fantasy rookie error in that I've only got two goal leagues and I probably should have had three or four. Four? That's what they were saying. Oh, that's ridiculous. That so I've kind of balls that up a little bit, but I mean, I'm hoping that the inner stat in me is going to like really enjoy the process because I feel like I'm kind of committing to something that is like slightly terrifying and, and it's going to kind of rule my life because I've done fantasy football before, like Premier League yeah. stuff. And you really, as long as you kind of get up before 8am on a Saturday or yeah. whatever, you just do it once a week, you're fine. But I feel like with hockey, yeah, this is, is going to be like a full-time occupation. Can I ask a... I'm going to ask a question then to both of you with a kind of fantasy uh, hockey in mind. You have got the first overall draft pick in your fantasy league and you can pick any player in the entire NHL to be your number one player, because obviously this didn't happen because Ads had the, the first overall pick. Um, who would have been your number one any player you could choose on your team? I'm going to go with James first. I thought that you were saying... Oof. I was like, who, who do they play for? Yeah, <laughs> James. James yeah. first. He's a great, great yeah. guy. Great Up guy. and come in. Huh. Um... For me, it would either be no, Kucherov. No, 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 no. You can't oh. have either. All right, then it would be McDavid. Interesting. Interesting, right? I will ask you why in a second, Claire. 
I, I to be honest, I think I would First still I would still potentially go for the same. I'd still go for an Austin Matthews. You'd go for at Austin one Matthews. point, I was kind of like, do I go for someone like Alex Ovechkin? Because in a fancy world, you know he's going to put up points. Yeah. He's he's going to be someone that's going to you know potentially get the hundred points. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, I probably yeah I still went for the same person that I wanted. Nathan McKinnon was up there for me, but I knew he was going to go above me. Uh, that doesn't matter. You've got the first overall pick in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. choosing Matthews over McKinnon. Yes, as long as he's healthy, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so. So James, why? Why? Uh, your choice. So with McDavid, he's had over a hundred points over the last three seasons, back-to-back 41-goal seasons, gets a decent amount of power play goals. He got nine last season. Um, And in our league this year, power play goals are worth like four points. So that gets you an extra 30-odd points. And then he puts up like 116 points overall um, in a season, playing for Edmonton, who can't score outside of him and Dreisaitl, Mm -hmm. who I chose in my first-round pick, by the way. Pick Dreisaitl. Um, I got Dreisaitl, yeah. Interesting. So um, it's got to be McDavid because he's probably going to score over 100 points for the next decade. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's it's hard. In a way, really, you shouldn't even have to justify picking McDavid at number one because he's, he's you know, the best it's player McDavid. to be playing right now <laughs> in the Hockey League. and. Yeah, it's kind of it goes without saying. Interesting that you go with Matthews. Just on the stats thing, right? So, um I looked up who I just I just love weird little number things. <laughs> I looked up on Elite Prospects who is the tallest team in the oh, NHL yes. uh, for 2019-2020. And then I also looked at who is the oldest team um, and I realised they're both the same team. Are yeah, they? I think I, I think I know who this team is as well. Who do you so think it is? I should the we, Boston well, should, Bruins. You think it's Boston? Yeah. So this they've is tallest and oldest old people, and they've got Chara, and Chara. who is both the oldest player <laughs> and the tallest. player. I can player. tell you that you're wrong. I wrong. Yeah. Whoa. So I'm gonna go with my gut feeling was the. Boston are in the top five for average age. You just went with Zdeno Chara boosting the average there. Um, I'm going to go with my gut feeling, which is the LA Kings. <laughs> no. They're all old. All nope. of them. Most of them can't even play. Ooh. Let me just tell you, the youngest team um, by point two is New York Rangers, yeah. actually. Yeah, they've yeah. gone pretty young this year. Um, so sense. the tallest and the oldest team... Um, on for averageness is Dallas Stars. Is really? It? Followed by San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I was going to. San second. Jose would have been my second. Yeah, guess. so I was going to go LA San Jose. I would have never have gone Dallas. LA is Dallas. fourth. Minnesota Wild is third. Matt Day, did you know this? Resident Dallas fan there of NHL go. fans from far. Did you know you support the oldest and tallest team? There we go. I just quick he was comment, devastated, actually. by the way, that I got Klingberg in the uh, fantasy draft one pick before him. Oh, dear, dear, dear. He was super annoying. He though. was the abuse. Quick comment got. here. I've just dropped a text, actually, to um, John Fernley, who is a Winnipeg Jets fan. Who this is excellent. Who lives out in Hull. Um, he, I've just asked him what what does he think um, 
about the line A line. He said, just think there's an element of comments lost in translation, but also an undercurrent of thinking from line A that he should play with Shifley on the top line. He shouldn't. He's bet off with little because of his defensive qualities. Line A, Shifley, uh, how do you say the guy's name? Ellers. I never know. Ellers. Ellers, that's it, yeah. Is, um, is a too much of a good thing line needs balance. That's like, yeah, exactly. And he's so right because it's like saying, you know, Mitch Marner this year is going to be on the second line. Well, well, yeah, I guess technically, but he's also going to be on a line with John Tavares. Like so That's the thing with the lease is they pretty much have two first lines. Yeah, so, so make yours a second first line in, in Winnipeg. Go mm. out and prove mm. that you you can make. And the, one of the reasons why he's on that line is because he's, he's a defensive liability. Line A, that is. Like, if, oh, it just baffles me. I can see why he gets frustrated because he'd want to be, you know, he wants the prestige of being a top team. We need to talk um, more over, well, over the next couple of weeks about some Western teams as well because I think there's a very interesting team in Vancouver to talk about this year that I they're going to be fascinating mm-hmm. with the fact that they've managed to get uh, Brock Besser signed and they've obviously got Pettersson returning uh, for another go at the NHL this season. Um, and yeah, there's some interesting stories out in the West. Patrick Marlowe as well. The fact that that whole thing happened over the summer where he mm-hmm. went to Carolina in a trade with the Leafs basically is a, a way the Leafs have cap dumping. He went to Carolina. Carolina tried to get him to to actually agree to sign there and play there and he decided he didn't want to, I think mainly for family reasons. I think it was one of the main factors of that. He really wanted to move back to the West Coast where his family were. And, um, you know, kind of hoping for the fairy tale return to San Jose. And it's kind of now looking like San Jose are not going to make that offer. And he's going to enter this season as a free agent because it's getting harder and harder. And the knock on effect of this RFA class that we're seeing getting paid is having a knock on effect on those players later on. Yeah. Because there just isn't the money to pay for a Patrick Marlowe mm. now or a player like that because you're paying and your salary cap money is going down at the other end of the scale. And so there's some really interesting ones out in the West which uh, are going to take a bit of uh, yeah looking into over the next couple of weeks. I'd be really interested actually to... to, And Arizona, of course. to hear from from people of those teams. Bill Kessel is a coyote. Bill the thrill. that, That was one of the things I did post in our Slack group, actually. I went through before the draft of our fantasy of um, a list of players uh, that I didn't want to draft under no Wait. circumstances. Oh, please, can I, can I have a guess of like one or two? Yeah. One is going to be Ovechkin. Actually, no, I didn't. I thought that would be a stupid thing to put oh, not draft because he's, he's a point... I think better of you for that decision. Yeah. Phil Kessel would have been one of them. He absolutely was. N- do not draft. <laughs> I drafted Kessel. Did you? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. why wouldn't you? He he will be a points machine. In, P.K. In Subban was on my do not draft list. Oh, well, that brings me on to the New Jersey Devils. I think they're going to be... I've got a... I don't really go in for betting, but I've got a, an outside bet on the New Jersey Devils to win the Stanley Cup just because I think it would be the best story ever. What? They are stacked but this year. But this year, what, they, they have already surely won the award for the most improved team from last year. P.K. Subban, Taylor Hall going into a contract UFA year. By the way, he's in my fancy team. I'm very pleased about that because I think he's going to have a monster year. (laughs) You have got Jack Hughes, 
who is looking really good mm-hmm. pre-season. And you've got P.K. Subban arriving as a new Jersey Devil. We don't They've have a Devils fan, actually. We don't have no. anyone who's contacted us who's a new Jersey Devils fan. So we'd be very interested are, to yeah. hear from them. Get yes. in contact because I think your season is going to be an absolutely fascinating one. From one where you were seemingly disappearing off the map and Taylor Hall was never going to sign in a million years his UFA deal with you guys, to now, why wouldn't he? Who knows? You've got Your GM has given you as much chance as possible to get that guy signed long-term. Who it's knows? A, it's an exciting division, isn't it? I mean, I, I was looking at New York Rangers and also thinking, yeah, that this could be... An Capo, interesting, Capo. yeah, an interesting year for Let's them. See him in the Islanders came out of nowhere last year, and you know, they're tank this year. Well, maybe they're going to tank. Buffalo, I think, are always they're kind of tank. They, they probably are, but then I always love watching Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel will be there, yeah. frustrated again. Send, sends Marshall, whatever city. So it just, I don't know, it becomes... Oh, and we also had a comment from Alex. Um, She's over Coventry Way, and she is a Vegas fan. She said, Dear Golden Knights, manage your cap. Manage the ah. drunk on success expectations of fans. Don't let the Sharks put you out. You're good. The so, Vegas Golden Knights, if you want a deep dive into how not to manage the salary cap, go and have a look at what the Vegas Golden Knights have done for the last two years. You cannot deny they've had an incredible start to their very new NHL life but their cap situation now is atrocious a couple of things to mention right so as I've been like desperately like hoping for hockey podcasts to come back I've been like refreshing my feed of hockey central at noon hockey central no 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 oh god it's still not there so I've kind of gone on this like journey of listening to things in the off season, like so, I was Good. listening to um, Thirty One Thoughts, where they had Sidney Crosby and yeah. Alex Ovechkin not together, which I was a bit disappointed at, but one <laughs> after the other, and their different approach at being kind of veterans in this league and how they kind of view like their future and how they look at their successes and any regrets that they have, which I thought was great. Um, Ken Holland um, was uh, what, what to listen to him on? He was talking about. Um, how it's it's good to have like Connor, um, David, and huh, yeah. um, Leon Joyside no or locked down so they can kind of just get to business. Uh, Joel Quenville was um, talking. Oh, I can't remember which one that was on. Joel Quenville was with Thirty One Thoughts, I think, talking yeah, I think about the Bobrovsky deal and the depth and what um, it's like to work with Bobrovsky, um, you know, behind the scenes and what he'd been doing when he wasn't working last year. Apparently, he went skiing and he went to Australia to visit his daughter. Um, and I didn't know about his kind of life of being a defenseman when he was out playing. Um, which I thought was fascinating. And then there was, uh, I went back to the NHL executive suite because they're, they're kind of the podcast that you don't have time to listen to when it's playoff time. So I went back to that and they had Lou Lamorello and he was talking about he had like one foot in baseball and one foot in hockey and how he's kind of teetering both these things. And get this, James, when he was first starting out as a coach in Providence, he also works as a maths teacher for a few <laughs> days a week. So um, he was yes, half he teacher, half hockey coach, and then kind of got picked up and off he went and, you know, being kind of looked after by people like Johnny Bauer when he was growing up and seeing how the, the old guys kind of used to treat fans. And he looks at the, the little kids, the fans who are watching 
you know, like five or six years old on the side of the ice with their faces pressed to the glass, like desperate to get a stick or something. And he remembers being that little kid and holding on to every little glove and little puck that he got. And that's what he tries to recreate. I thought... It was just a really nice way to kind of, when you step away from the business, the contracts, the RFA, Mm. it just sometimes gets so boring going round and round hearing the same things over and over. So it was nice to kind of step away and hear about the humans and the people and the inspirations behind, uh, you know, the people who are in the back room, the coaches and the GMs. And to watch some hockey. And that's how we started this podcast, by saying we are ready to watch some hockey. Like we have yeah, talked about yeah. the summer gone. We have talked about what we think is going to happen this season. And you're right. There are some incredible kind of off ice stories that come out uh, in the off season. But the thing that we all want to do is we all want to watch ice yeah, hockey. And I, it's finally going to happen. But, but then, you know, this season's going to be really interesting. You know, we're looking at um, other things that are coming up, like the TV contracts could massively change. Is the cap going to go up? The gambling deals that they kind of set up or talked about and announced at the end of October last year. What's that going to mean? So some of these big deals we're seeing, is that going to change? But Seattle, obviously, yeah. what the heck is going to happen when Seattle comes on, how is it going to work? Is it going to be just like when Vegas came in? Like, how's that going to affect the draft? And Also really good news that the uh, NHL PA and the NHL kind of um, managed to come to an agreement to extend their agreement on the CBA. So that means that we're not going to have or very unlikely lockout. to have a lockout mm-hmm. for any time in the next few years, which is great news for hockey fans. And then that kind of pushes that down the road. And that's a kind of a huge relief for anybody involved with hockey, especially fans. And yeah, really interesting times. But I love this part of the season. I love the fact that everybody's just getting excited about the year, unless you're Ottawa. And you just... I'm sorry, James, that was for you. And you... Are you though? Because I have to say, as a Leafs fan, I'm a bit like, oh, come on, the playoffs. I feel like I'm just treading more until the playoffs get You can't. Look at that Atlantic division. If we finish fourth... That's that is possible. Florida, they could overtake. Montreal were close last year. So what is your hopes? I said I just want us to get through to the second round of the playoffs. Jolon, what are your hopes this season in a sentence? I hope that at the end of the season I feel satisfied. But that's so that's rubbish. Well no, because obviously that's not gonna be a first round. That wouldn't be satisfying. I don't think I would feel satisfied by a second round. Right. So I think we're talking beyond that. And then who knows? Okay. But I want I want to get to the end of the season and not be bitterly disappointed. And if that means losing in a conference final to a better team, that's fine. I do not want to go out in the first round to the Boston Bruins again. <laughs> I will fall out of love with hockey, I think. James, happens. what are yours? Um... For me, it would be to see the Leafs progress out of the first round, <laughs> and to see Arizona reach the playoffs. Is that gonna? Do you think that's gonna happen? The the Arizona. I the Leafs. really do, um, because they picked up Phil Kessel, yeah. who's gonna really improve their scoring. And actually, a lesser talked about acquisition is Carl Soder- Soderberg, yeah. who is a very capable goal-scoring defensive centre who I think is just going to add to the system that Rick Tockett is building. With Phil Housley working with the defence now, 
getting them scoring, I reckon that Arizona should really be making the playoffs this year. And if Arizona had made just a little bit of a better run, they could have made the playoffs last year. So you're right in a in a league where or in a division where they can make marginal gains and make quite a lot of success. I think yeah, you're right. The type of players they have added should especially give them since enough. they have arguably the best tandem in the league in terms of goalies when they're healthy. Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, which again was. Goalie depth was not something that you expected them to have, but they found. We've not talked a lot about goalies. We'll have to save that for when you're next on, James. We'll go yeah, into sure. uh, to goalie geek out. That sounds like a hashtag, doesn't it? <laughs> so before we so before we end, then so you you thanked me very kindly, Claire, for turning up uh, today for the first podcast of the year, the, yeah, which yeah. is which is great. I'm very pleased to be here. Um, but then I'm not going to be here for quite a long time now. Uh, which I won't bore you all with, but I'm going away for a few months, uh, which will be nice. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's doing serving time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not serving time, I'm going on a holiday. He's Quite been watching NHL illegally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the VPN. He's been sending Brad Marchand rude Courtney. messages. Yeah. yeah, he reported my tweets. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm going away for a few months to a very non-hockey world. Hello, ads. I'm going to be on a similar time zone. Um, and uh, so it's not going to be practical or at all possible for me to comment much on ice hockey for the next few months. So, Claire, I know you have set up a plethora of people far more in the know than me to talk to you over the next few months to take you through to what will probably be Christmas. Um, And We're going to keep going. We decided that we're going to keep going. It's going to be weekly. We're going to do this thing on Tuesday evenings, and it just means that actually... Um, we certainly need your help um, if you're listening to this podcast that please do reach out to us to connect with us because we would like this to be even more full of your thoughts and and uh, voices as well whether you leave us um, a voicemail message on our anchor page it's anchor.fm slash NHL fans from afar or you send us an email and want to be a guest because we've still got a ton of teams that we've never spoken to fans of and uh, you could be living in in on, the, on the other side of the world and that will be even more exciting we can kind of work around time zones and stuff um so yeah please make sure that you um subscribe rate review follow all those kind of things for the podcast and the good news is if you find this podcast too leaf centric then i will be disappearing so that's 50 percent of the leafs chat gone instantly technically 55 today today but i mean going forward there well will be as i say a... next week we're going detroit red wings and san jose sharks which will be great so i will speak to you in huh, the new year that sounds nuts. Um, enjoy the beginning of the NHL season. I hope your dreams for your teams come true, unless you're all of the teams that I wouldn't wish that upon. And uh, yeah, get in contact with Claire and get in contact with us here at NHL Fans From Far because we want to hear your voices and opinions this season. Yeah, thanks for turning up. Have a nice time. Thanks, James. And thanks for your help today, James. Thanks. Um, yeah, anytime. We'll speak to you next time and we'll hit, we'll definitely talk goalies next time you're on, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on at NHL Fans from Afar on Twitter. Uh, we'll retweet some of James's um, articles and things that he's writing about for Ottawa and Arizona and stuff as well and all kinds of interesting. Send us your thoughts and have a great week. Enjoy. The season is back. <laughs>